Second Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to read the entire chapter. Second Corinthians chapter 10. If you noticed, I've kind of skipped over chapter 9, but a lot of it is kind of repetitious from chapter 8 as I was looking through it. Um, and, you know, I've covered most of that, so I'm going to go to chapter 10 this morning. Now I beseech myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent am bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walk according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having any readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Do you look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trusts himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ. For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord hath given us for edification, and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed. That I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters, for his letters say they are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Let such a one think this, that as such as we are in word by letters, when we are absent, such will we be also indeed when we are present. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, as though we reach not unto you. For we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things without our measure, that is, of other men's labors, but having hope, when your faith is increased, that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you, and not to boast another man's line of things made ready to our hand, but he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. So I tied the message this morning, boldly declaring the wonderful grace of God. Boldly declaring the wonderful grace of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your precious word. Thank you for your love and your mercies to us. Thank you for the word of God that you've given, preserved, that we can study to show ourselves approved. Unto God, a workman needed not to be rightly ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So, Lord, I praise you. Help us this morning as we examine the word of God and examine our own hearts before thee, that we would be encouraged and challenged and uh, grow in the grace and knowledge of thee. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there's several words that Paul uses several times in this passage and in Second Corinthians quite often. One is beseech. It's used 15 times in 2 Corinthians alone. 15 times. The other one is bold or boldly. He uses that often. 
And it's, and it's not always used with the same meaning. It's, uh, you know, it's, always, it's the same English word every time, but it, sometimes it's a different Greek word. But anyway, uh, you know, there was, there was those at Corinth who, uh, and those who came along to Corinth after Paul was there, who of course raised questions about Paul's authority, uh, and his, 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 as an apostle, and we'll see that a little further explained later on, but, and, and so, you know, they're, they're questioning some of his, his authority here, even in this passage, and so he's, he's boldly replying to that, and, and, uh, and tells them, and instructs them, uh, in, in how we ought to minister to others. So I'm going to notice several things here this morning, and I've got three main points, and they have to do with these three words of beseech, and base is another word he uses, and bold. So, first of all, we are to beseech others with the truth. In verse 1 he says, I now, now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent I am bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh." Uh, so he used this word beseech. The word beseech means to admonish, to exhort, you know, to, to call to one side, to urge. And, uh, for example, in Acts 2.40, when Peter was speaking, speaking to the Jews on Pentecost, uh, day of Pentecost, he says in verse 40, and with many other words that he testified and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. So he was urging the people to save themselves from this wicked generation that was they chose the murderer over the savior, and so you need you need to save yourselves from this. And again, it's used fifteen times this word in the book of Second Corinthians, and Paul tells them, "Look, we need to beseech, we need to urge, we need to challenge others with the truth, admonish them with the truth, with two characteristics: meekness and gentleness." Meekness and gentleness. Now, he says that in verse 1, I beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Now, these words are similar, but they're a little different. The word meekness is, is a word that describes a, a, a gentleness but strong. Uh, it, it's, kind of a, it's really kind of hard to define, but it's demonstrated by a horse that has great strength or great power Yet that horse is under the control of its master. So it's a strength under control. It doesn't manipulate its strength. It doesn't dictate its strength. It controls its strength. You know, God has all power. As I said this morning, He's, He's, He's holy. He's perfect in power. What was that song? How's the song say? Purity and I forget what the other word was in the, in the song there we sang, holy, holy, holy. You know, God is balanced. He doesn't, he doesn't force his power on man, as we're going to see here. You know, and, and this is the idea here of meekness. You know, men today that are strong sometimes tend to be overbearing, domineering, and dictatorial. But meekness is not that way, even though they may be strong. Psalms 37.11 says, But the meek shall inherit the earth, shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Je- uh, the Lord Jesus, it was, he said of himself, 
Take my yoke upon you, learn of me. So he's exhorting the people, he's beseeching them to learn of him. But he says, for I am meek and lowly. I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest to your souls. You know, as we think about ministry, Galatians 6, 1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of what? Meekness. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So there's a strength here, but it's, it's, but there's a, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a, a restraining or it's under control. It doesn't dominate. Uh, and, and 1st Timothy, or 1st Peter 3.15, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you of the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You know, Moses was a great man of God. He had lots of power. He was a very powerful figure in the nation of Israel. In fact, he said of himself, of course, under inspiration, a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up like unto me. So, you know, again, he said that under inspiration. And so he was a powerful man, uh, uh, a man with God. He had power with God and he had power with man. Yet the Bible tells us in Numbers 12, 3, that he was very meek above all men that were on the earth. You know, his, he restrained his power. He didn't control the minds and hearts of the people. He, he challenged them, he exhorted them, but he did not control them. And so, Paul said, you know, we need to beseech others with the truth in meekness. And secondly, he says we need to beseech them with gentleness. Now, gentleness is defined as mildness, fairness, or I like this part, a sweet reasonableness. A sweet reasonableness. And Paul, when he wrote to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7, he says, we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So we're talking here about a, a, a nursemaid who cares for the little ones and how she cherishes them. She's gentle with them. You know, uh, you know and, and you know, if you go to the doctor, you don't want a nurse that's rough. You don't want one that's gentle. You know, he wants one that's gentle. Uh, James 3.17 says, The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and, and I believe here's, here's a, a good definition of sweet reasonableness, and easy to be entreated. Full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Peter says in 1 Peter 2.18, Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle... So masters should be good and gentle, not all of them are, but also with the forward. So, so again, he says we're to beseech others with the truth, challenge people with the truth in meekness and gentleness. Not for speeding. You know, I think a good example of this would, in the life of a man would have been George Washington. You know, he was hailed. He's hailed as the father of our country. And, of course, he was elected the first president and then re-elected for a second term. The British thought that he would become a king. And somebody said to King George that, that, he was going, that, that George Washington was going to step down, and the King George said, if he does that, 
He is the greatest man. He's the greatest man. George Washington probably could have easily became a king. But he chose of his own volition to not take that authority upon himself. Speaks of a meekness and a gentleness. 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26 says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the knowledge of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. And so, the servant Lord, as we give out the gospel, we need to do it with meekness and gentleness, with compassion and concern. Matthew ten sixteen, Jesus said, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. You know, there may be people out there that may try and devour you if you try to witness them, but you need to continue to witness them with meekness and gentleness. But he said, I send you forth, therefore, be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Proverbs 15.1 says, a soft answer turneth away wrath. But grievous words stir up, stir up anger. So Paul says, we need, to, we need to beseech others with the truth. We need to do it in meekness and gentleness. Secondly, we must also understand our base position. Or our baseness. Verse 1 again says, Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent, am bold toward you. Now, this word base means lowly or of low degree. And so, you know, as we, as we beseech people or exhort them with the truth or urge them or witness them with the truth and challenge them with the truth, we need to, we need to, we need to understand our own low place, our own baseness, that we aren't, we aren't any better than they are, but by the grace of God. You know, sometimes, Sometimes, afraid we may give the, the 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 impression that we're better than they are. We're better, you know. We're not like those out there. Now, remember several things here. First of all, despite the fact that we are saved by the grace of God, we still live in bodies of flesh. Look at verse three, for Paul says, "For though we walk in the flesh." We do not war with flesh. Now, I know this is not the, the exact application of this verse, but he is saying here, look, we do live in bodies of flesh. We do live in bodies of flesh. It, 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 but it does not mean that we have to be controlled by it. But we ought to remind ourselves that our victory over the flesh is not by our own strength, but it's by the weapons which God gives us. Notice verses 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but not the things that we can see, as we heard in Sunday school this morning, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You see, we remind ourselves that, that our victory over the flesh is by the weapons which God gives us. You know, we remind ourselves, it's like David said, 
The battle is the Lord's. And He will give you into our hand. It isn't my battle. It's not me. It's the Lord's. It's the Lord's. So as we yield to the Lord and the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, we can have victory. And these strongholds in our lives are overcome not through our own strength, our own efforts, but through the power of His might. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. So we have to understand, we do live in bodies of flesh. You know, it's not... In fact, it's, it's good sometimes to remind people when you're witnessing them, look, I have the same temptations you do. It's just that God has given me a source of power over those. Secondly, we're not to compare ourselves with others. Notice verses 7 through 12. Do we look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trusts himself that he is Christ, let him think of himself, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ. So they were, they were boasting in their positions. And Paul says, you know, don't think of yourself any highly. We're in Christ also, you know. Just, just remind you of that, that we are saved too. For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord hath given to us for edification, not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed, that I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters. Uh, for his letters, say they, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. That is, his speech is just plain, it's ordinary, it's common. Let such a one think this, that such as we are in word by letters when we are absent, such will we be also indeed when we are present. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. There's a lot of themselves in there, in there. When you start comparing yourself, there's a lot of yourself in you being evidence. See, we're not to start comparing ourselves with others. That is pride. And the Bible says here, that's not wise. Now, let me clarify something. It's not wrong to look at others, or should I say, learn from others. We all learn from someone. We're not self-made people. You know, I could say, well, there's a lot of things that I do in carpentry that I just learned myself. You know where I learned it? YouTube University. So did I just learn that myself? No. You know, I'm... I've been working on my refrigerator. The ice maker quit working. And I hate things that don't work right, even if it's in the kitchen. If we're going to have an ice maker in the refrigerator, we might as well use it, you know? Have use of it. So I started going to YouTube University. Yeah. Now, I've replaced two parts, but they didn't fix it. (laughs) But I have figured it out, you know. Um, anyway, you know, we learn from other peoples and we all look to other peoples. You know, David was a great warrior. He taught his men how to kill giants. The battle is the Lord's. That's the idea. You kill giants by relying on the power of God, not in your own strength. And that's what David taught his men to rely on the Lord. But you know what? I wouldn't go to David as a role model, as a father. He had more sons. Turned out bad than there was good. 
And see, we're not to compare ourselves with each other because all of us have faults. All of us have weaknesses. We're all sinners. We're really all on the same plane. We're really all on the same field. We're level on that field. You know, we've been given different personalities, which can be used to reach people in our world that, that we come in contact with. But we ought not to compare ourselves and to look, and look at ourselves. We ought to look to Christ for our example, for the purpose of molding us into His likeness. That we may be effective in any circumstance with any person. If you want a role model, look to Jesus Christ. He could, he could operate successfully in any situation. I'll be honest with you, and I moved to North Carolina and started trying to witness to people in the Bible Belt that aren't straight up front with you. You know what I mean? That tell you nice things. I was lost. How do you do that? Huh. If you start witnessing someone to someone in Maine, they're just going to tell you. They don't beat around the bush. But you know what? It required that I learn. But you know, Jesus could fit into any society. He could fit in with any class and know how to deal with any kind of person, whether it was a king or a servant. And so we need to, we need to, we need to compare ourselves with him and learn from him. So that we know how to answer Every man. So, we're not to compare ourselves. You know, Romans 3, 12, 3 says, For the, I say, through the grace given unto me, to everyone that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Romans twelve sixteen. Be of the same mind one to another. Mind not high things, but condescend to low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. And so, you know, we, we don't have anything to boast of in ourselves, and we're not to compare ourselves with ourselves. We ought to consider that we are base, just like, or we ought to consider ourselves lowly, just like the sinner out there. Because if it wouldn't be for the grace of God, there would we be. So... We need to beseech them. We need to be based among them. But we also are to be bold in our giving of the gospel. Notice again verse 2. But I beseech you that I may be not, may not be bold when I am present with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. Now, so is Paul going to be bold or is he not going to be bold? You know, you might wonder that. But he uses this word bold twice. He also uses the word confidence. The first bold that he uses... Has the, has the meaning is to have confidence. Uh, to have confidence. And when we're giving out the gospel, we can have boldness or we can have confidence in our weapons. We can have confidence in that. Verses 4 and 5 again. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. 
You know, and w- when we're witnessing to others, we can have absolute confidence in the Word of God. Absolute confidence. You know, I have confidence in this book. Isaiah 55, 11 says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. But it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper the thing whereunto I sent it. It shall not return unto me void. You know, I have confidence that someone will seek will seek the mind of God, which is found in the Word of God, the Almighty God, the Father of Light, will reveal Himself to that soul through the Word of God. Because the Word of God gets to the heart of the matter. It addresses the issues of life. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. That's still speaking about the word of God. See, it searches our hearts. It gets to the real issues that you and I struggle with, that sinners are struggling with. It reveals their hearts. Romans 10.13, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. See, if we are going to be bold in our witness, we must believe what we preach. We must believe it. You know, if you're going to sell a product, you're going to be a salesman and sell a product, to be effective, do you not have to believe in what you're selling? Unless you're a really good liar. Sad thing is, there's a lot of good liars that stand places like I'm standing this morning. They really don't believe the Bibles. But we can have absolute confidence in the Word of God. You know, the reason I have confidence in the power of the world of God is I know because I know by experience it is real. It has power to change and transform a life. It'll change the desires and calling in your life. It'll change the habits of your life. And no one understood this probably better than Paul himself. Yeah, Paul said, I was before a blasphemer and injurious. In 1 Timothy 1, 14 through 16, he says, And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy, that me first, Christ Jesus Christ, might show forth all long suffering for a pattern which should hereafter believe on him to everlasting life. You know, and I'm sure there were some then that day that said to Paul, I'm too wicked. I'm too evil. I'm too big a sinner. And I could just see Paul saying, Let you tell me, let me tell you about me. Let me tell you my story. You know, that would take humility. For Paul to 
to Paul? Because really what he was doing was putting him down, himself down on the level with, with, with those that persecuted Christians, with the drunkard and the, and the, and the, drug, uh, the, the harlots and all that. He was putting himself on the same level. You see, I was injurious. I was a blasphemer. I was just like you are. You see, I believe. I have confidence. The Word of God can accomplish. It can change your life. Now here is something we are not so sure about. Whether a person will receive it or not. The Word of God will accomplish its purpose. In fact, go to 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16. You know, sometimes we say, well, if they don't get saved, the Word of God didn't accomplish its purpose. Oh, yes, it did. Yes, it did. The Word of God, what the Word of God does, when we give out the Word of God, what it, what it does is it reveals to a person their eternal destiny. Whether they receive it and embrace it, or whether they do not. Second Corinthians 2, verse 14. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. Notice that he said he always causeth us to triumph in Christ. And maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. That word savor has the idea of a smell or an odor. You know, picture a sacrifice. And God says it was a sweet odor. And then in Ephesians 5, it tells us that our we are living sacrifices or we are living sweet odor. It's, it's figurative uh, to God. It's something that's pleasing to him. It's sort of like you walk into a house and you, there's, a, there's a nice smelling candle burning. It, it puts on off an odor and that's pleasant to you. You see, when we, when we are a sweet odor, we are pleasant to God. And then he says, we are a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one we are the savor of death unto death, and to the other the savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? You see, to the one who will not embrace it, we are a savor of death. We have revealed to them that they're going to hell. They all know. They now have knowledge of that. But those that embrace it now have knowledge that they have life. You see, it is of their choice whether it is life or whether it is death. But either way, the Word of God will give them what it is, is God has given them knowledge of Himself. They cannot say, I did not know. In fact, the heavens declare the glory of God. Firmament shows in anywhere. Oh, we can have absolute confidence the Word of God will reveal Himself to us through His Word. We can have confidence in it. There's a second word bold here, and again in verse 2, where it says in the middle of the verse, wherewith I think to be bold against some. And that word bold there means to bear oneself boldly or to deal boldly. It's the idea of being daring. Being daring or assuming. <laughs> when I asked my father-in-law, who wasn't yet my father-in-law, for his daughter's hand in marriage, 
I had the engagement ring in my pocket. Now, I hadn't talked to him about it before. But I was daring. In fact, there was another young lady in the church that got engaged around the same, I think the same week. And his, her, her dad said to me, yeah, but at least he didn't bring the, the wedding ring in his pocket. You know, he, he wasn't quite as daring as you were. You know, was, that's what he was saying. He, I was bold. I was daring. You know, after all, you know, couldn't. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so this word bold here means to, is to assume or take a risk. So bold, Paul is the idea, I'm going to be daring here. This is where faith comes in, faith in God. You know, sometimes we need to be daring in our witness. We need to be daring in challenging others to live for God. Faith in God and that if they reject is, again, you know, sometimes we, we, we are fearful to witness to people because we're afraid they're going to reject what we say. We need to be daring in the fact that it is not us they are rejecting. So don't take it personal. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. And Paul is, Paul is having this boldness with the Corinthians. He, he is saying here, I'm willing to dare that you will prove your love. You know, this whole passage is talking about this giving to the, to the, the needs of the churches in Judea. And, and so he's, he's going out on a limb here, if you will, and daring them to do what they had said they would. And, and so, uh, uh, and challenging them. And he's also challenging them with, uh, uh, uh helping him enlarging his ministry to preach the gospel in other areas. Notice in verse 15, not boasting of things uh, uh, without measure, that is, of other men's labor, but having hope when your faith is increased that we shall be enlarged by you. In other words, you're going to enlarge or you're going to enable me to take the gospel into other regions by your giving that I'm challenging with, I'm daring you to do. I realize... I'm being bold here is what he's saying. But I'm challenging you to take a step of faith and do what you said you were going to do. So that he could preach the gospel in regions beyond you, as verse 16 is what he says. He says, oh, I, will, I, I dare you to prove your love so that we will be enlarged and, 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 and through your giving, our ministry will be enlarged so we can preach the gospel on the reasons. So we need to be bold. We need to be daring. You know, it takes, a little, it takes boldness to walk up to a door and knock on it, knowing that it might get slammed in your face. Now, they won't slam it here. They'll shut it nicely, but it's the same thing. Now, now up north, they just, you know. I mean, first time I went soul winning with my father-in-law, the first door that I knocked on, that's what happened. I got shut in my face. That challenged me, brought out my competitive nature, I'm not sure, I'm not saying that was spiritual of me, but I was ready to go to the next one after that. Uh, you know, but, you know, we need to be bold. 
It wasn't, see, it wasn't me they were rejecting. It was the gospel that I was trying to present. And so, we need to be bold. We need to be bold. Yeah, we are to be bold and daring with the gospel. If the message is rejected, we should not be offended. Again, it is not us they're rejecting. It's just us they point to in their rejection. Look at John chapter 15, and I'll, I'll close with this. John 15. In fact, this is what Jesus told his disciples. Of course, that's the same message to us. John 15, 18. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. Good chapter 16, verse 1. These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues, yea, the time cometh, that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you, because you are a bold and daring person. Is that what it says? No. These things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. You know, the problem the world has with us is not us. The problem the world has with us is our God that we serve. That's the problem. So we should not, and what Jesus is saying here is don't take it personal. They hated me, they're going to hate you. But it's not because of you, it's because of me. Remember when Saul was on the road to Damascus, and after he had stoned Stephen, they were consented to the death of Stephen, and, and, and the Lord met him, and he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Was he persecuting Jesus? Was it Jesus they stoned? No, it was Stephen. It was Stephen. And so we need to have confidence. We need to be bold. We need to be base. But we do need to beseech a lost and dying world with the gospel. Do you have confidence in the word of God? It will perform that which the Lord pleases. Are you bold? in your witness.